Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, July 17th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Sporting KC restart is underway, and the team couldn't have scripted a more heartbreaking loss in the opener to Minnesota. Sporting played a man down over the final 20 or so minutes, gave up two goals in extra time, and fell 2-1. to one. Time to put it behind and move forward. The MLS is back tournament continues for Sporting tonight when it meets Colorado. There'll be a new goalkeeper. Will there be a different result? Sean Goodwin, who covers sporting for the Star, provides his thoughts. After a break, you'll hear from Peter Vermees, who was his usual honest self in speaking about the loss. He also opens up about the importance of the tournament. So here's Sean Goodwin on Sporting KC and a bit of personal news from earlier this week. All right, Sean. Um, interesting week for Sporting KC, and we're going to get into that in a moment, but it's also been Something of an interesting week for you in terms of citizenship. It's hard. Um, yeah, yeah. So you, you took your U.S. citizenship test mm-hmm. uh, earlier this week. And uh, take us through that. And uh, yeah, how the process go? Yeah, so it's been nine years coming, basically. Uh, to course, nine years short. You know, you... Get your green card after five years of being in country. Uh, for me, it was four. My dad's company fast-tracked it. And then five years later, you can take the citizenship test. So, you know, we scheduled it months ago. It was pushed back because of COVID. Uh, finally did it Tuesday morning. And really, you were... Because uh, U.S. Immigration was office here in KC, so you head down there. Um, it was basically 100 questions. It's a pool of 100 questions. They give you 10 random questions and you have to get six correct. Uh, super easy questions. You know, out of Kapoor, there's some harder ones, like who wrote the Federalist Papers? Um, Hamilton. He wrote Smoke 29 or something. Um, but the, <laughs> yeah. the ones I got, it was like, name the two, uh, two major political parties in the US, or how long do we vote in a senator for? It's just super easy stuff, so... I just got six out of six right off the bat. And aside from that, uh, we mostly just chatted soccer, honestly. It, it, it was <laughs> fun. Great. Yeah, it was that. Oh. And I, I guess it's protocol. But they had a bunch of questions that the officer had to ask me. <clears throat> it was stuff like, have you ever been associated with a terrorist organization? Have you ever tortured somebody? And I'm just kind of sitting there like, I hope not. I don't think I've been part of a terrorist organization, so it was no, fun. Uh-uh. Yeah, it was easy. And whether you tor- and whether you tortured somebody, that's that might be up to the uh, to the other party, you know. To, mm. to in in what situation might uh, might someone have been tortured? Could be a conversation. Yeah. You never know. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep um, up on PG thirteen. That's right. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, as um, you, you are, uh, where were you born? I was born in Liverpool, England. I mean, moved in to Liverpool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So in Liverpool. So uh, this means, of course, that um, that you've got to drop some 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 dialogue, some language. It's no longer for you uh, a flat. You know, you have to live in an apartment, and mm-hmm. you um, you can have a biscuit, but uh, but you have to have the American kind of biscuit now. The biscuits mm-hmm. come with gravy. It's, it can no longer be a cookie. Yeah. And um, yeah, chips. No, no, buddy. It's French fries from now on for you. Yeah. And and you know, I never the the one that always 
the one that always confused me is crisps. crisps. Tough to say. Crispy. Crisps. Yeah. <laughs> tough, yeah. Well, tough to say. Whenever I go back home, I say back home, my parents live South Overland Park. So whenever I go back there, I often revert back to my, my English and Scouse ways. The accent drops back in and I just start saying football instead of soccer and mobile <laughs> instead of mobile. <laughs> Well, as long as you don't say controversy, that's the one that always got to me. So. I, I say controversy, or, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I still say that now. Because some words I, I say, I don't realize, and people are like, what are you saying? Uh, but I just, I can't get that out of, out of my mind. Or did you take your vitamins daily? Um, yeah, vitamin D. But, uh, <laughs> well, um uh, I'll tell you what, it, it, it wasn't, uh, there, there wasn't much controversy with the uh, Sporting KC outcome, just a lot of sadness yeah. um, uh, on Sunday night against, um, against Minnesota. Gosh, we'll, we will absolutely spin ahead to, to the Friday game against Colorado. We're recording this on Thursday, so we, we might be referring to tomorrow's game, even though this mm. is being aired on, on Friday. But um Let's go back to the the loss, the two to one loss to Minnesota. Uh, it just, I guess, if you had told me before the game that the outcome would be a two to one loss to Sporting, I'd have been surprised. Sporting was the better team. Mm-hmm. Minnesota seemed a little shorthanded, but the way in which it happened was just a, a, a just a gut punch of a loss with two extra time goals for for Minnesota. The second one, the second one coming, you know what? In the ninety seventh minute, oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Let's. Um, uh, I guess there are a lot of places to to talk to start talking about this, but um, but the, the probably the best place to start is the seventy fourth minute and the Tim Melia red card that turned things around. I think things had started to turn around before that, but yeah. Tim Melia's. Mm-hmm. I but but I think Sporting could have survived. Um, with eleven v eleven, that was not the case. And to see the, to see a goalie red card, it just you just don't see that so uh, very often. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, was it the right call, and did it have the, uh, d- did it change the game? It was the right call. I mean, you, you see a couple of people arguing futilely that you know one of the uh, sports and Casey defenders had got back towards goal behind Melia, so he wasn't the last man. But at the end of the day, if Melia hadn't came flying out of his box, you know, said defender wasn't about to cover him and the attacker would have been through on goal. And, you know, who knows whether he would have scored one one or not. But at the end of the day, he got the ball past Melia about 20 yards out. And then he's, he's been taken out. Uh, if he got past Melia, he would have had a one-on-one with a defender and a wide-open goal. So, um you can argue whether he was the last man or not, but it, it's a red card every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, the game, had, I think we can agree, the game had started to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota had a goal taken taken away by video review before this. I, mean, I, think it, I think that was in the 60th minute. Sporting led one nothing at halftime. So the feeling of the game had changed, but really after, um, after Richard Sanchez replaced Melia, um, the, the the whole thing felt like it was a downhill uh, mm-hmm. uh, game for Minnesota, and uh, and it was just the, the bleeding just never stopped for Sporting KC. No, and uh, you know, 
I, I feel a little sorry in that for Sporting, in that they did dominate that first, you know, 60, 65 minutes. Uh, Minnesota was barely in the game, and yes, they had the disallowed goal, but it was pretty much their first or second good chance to goal the whole game. As soon as they scored, that, they, they smelled blood a little bit and gained a little bit of confidence, and then once Melia was sent off, you know, Richard Sanchez, he, he has the, the support of his teammates, of his manager, of course, and we've said that these past couple of days. But at the end of the day, you're missing a, a huge voice, a huge command, huge leadership with Tamelia uh, that you just don't have with Sanchez and the defensive line isn't used to playing with him. And he hasn't played MLS games since, really since 2018. Um, so when you're down to 10 men with a backup goalkeeper, backed up against the wall, it's tough. And I was impressed Kansas City got to the what, 92nd minute before finally conceding. But as yeah. soon as I saw the seven-minute stoppage time, I just said to myself, yeah, Kansas City isn't holding on to this. Uh, uh, and, of course, the first one was the own goal mm-hmm. um, off, of, off of Shelton. And the second one, I, look, I... I, I don't look. I, Sanchez playing for the first time. He only he only played sparingly a year ago. Mm-hmm. You can't put the blame on him. I, I think Melia might might have stopped one of those, mm-hmm. but gosh, um, uh, in the, the the circumstance of playing a man down over the final twenty to twenty five minutes in heat mm-hmm. after not having played for four months, I just, just a little too much to ask. I think of of sporting here and the um uh there were some other issues in this game that i that i that i saw one of which was uh set piece defense uh mm-hmm. for sporting that that uh the 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 goal that was disallowed came off a set piece yep. and and of course the the winning goal did as well and um and just some missed opportunities early we said it was one nothing at halftime I thought it should have been at least two zip at mm-hmm. halftime. I thought Joseph Fernandez, you know, has he has great ball skills, but um, I, I thought he was just a little off in terms mm-hmm. of timing and touches, and maybe that's just going to come with a little more playing time. You hope it does. Uh, you know, early in the second half, you had the, um, Kyrie Shelton played through so literally – Clean Sean goal, Shelton made the run to the back post. You had a 2v1 basically, and Jerso, instead of taking a touch and composing himself, tries to play a half hearted ball across the box that goes straight into the keeper's hands, right into Tyler Miller's hands. Um, yeah. But hey, Gaddy Kinder, too, I mean, he still plays well, but the first half he had, he could have had two goals before half time. Uh, one, he decided to take a shot from 40 yards out, despite being through one goal. And then he, he missed a, a difficult volley from about six yards out. Uh, but at the end of the day, if Sporting scores even one of those goals, it's 2-0, you look later down the line, maybe Melia doesn't feel like he has to come out, he doesn't get a red card, and it's a different game at that point. Right, right. Okay, so... Um... Uh, Friday night against uh, against Colorado. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what what do you expect? We are going to see Sanchez in goal, of course. Yes. What uh, what did uh, what to expect from this game? Yeah, so 
I found it interesting that you made the point about Sport and KC having troubles on set pieces when now they're going to face a team who is perhaps the most lethal team when it comes to set pieces in the past year, uh, both off free kicks and corners. So, you know, Sporting are really going to have to limit the free kicks that you know, they give away and the set pieces they give away to Colorado. If you take a quick look at Colorado's 2-0 loss to Real Salt Lake, also on Sunday, um, Colorado only had one free kick within 30 yards of goal and just four corners the whole game. And past that, uh, all they've really got is the counter-attack up to former Sporting KC man Kai Kamara, who's really good at holding up the ball and he- heading it down for teammates. So... Two big keys to the game, I suppose, for Sporting are, be, you know, limit the set-piece opportunities because obviously they've struggled with that and they have a goalkeeper who doesn't have the same communication as Melia. And then just to watch a long ball counter-attack up the field to Kai Kamara and Diego Rubio, another Sporting KC guy. Okay, so Sporting KC going to look for a result on... Um... On Friday against Colorado, we're going to um, we are going to take a break, and when we come back, you're going to hear from Peter Vermees, who I thought was, as he always is, honest and thorough with his responses to uh, reporters' questions, including Sean's, uh, at, a, at a news conference on Wednesday. And before we go, I just wanted to call attention to a story that Sean wrote in midweek. It's now on the uh, on the KansasCity.com website, and the headline is "Sporting KC Trio Helps." lead movement for change in how black people are viewed and treated spoke to Sean spoke to the, um, the black players on sporting Kansas city and came up with a terrific story about um, a great anecdote to get into the story too. I got to say, Sean, and, and um, so uh, read it. Uh, I'm going to link to it on the show notes. And of course, like I said, it's on KansasCity.com. So, Stay tuned for Peter Vermees, and we'll say goodbye to Sean, and we'll uh, we'll talk again soon, Mister American Citizen. American Citizen in two more months when I get my uh, naturalization ceremony, but we're almost there. But, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Almost like getting the like a driver's license, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I appreciate it, Blair, and hopefully next time we talk, we'll have a, a little bit of a happier conversation about sporting. All right. Sounds good, Sean. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. The first day was a regen day for the guys that played and the um, guys that didn't had uh, a little bit of a dip, more difficult session. It was more like the second day. We got everybody was together, and uh, you know, uh, I think the guys were extremely disappointed in the result. Um, and you know, it was it was probably very. Um, 
very noticeable in training those first couple of days. Just they were they're disappointed as well. But um, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's it's if they're not feeling it, then then there's a problem. So, um, but since then, training's been very good. Guys have been uh, very attentive and concentrated, and um, you know it's about us trying to get better from game to game as we're here. You mentioned the lack of productivity in and around the box and not being able to finish chances as being a disappointment following that game. Is there anything in particular in training that um, you and the team have been working on to maybe minimize some of those missed opportunities? It's not just on the field. It's also in uh, video sessions, just talking about how, how we've done um, in those situations much differently before. Uh you know, and there's some things on the field as well. But, you know, it's – I always say that uh, uh, a season is it, – it's a ladder, you know, and you, you try to climb steps and you're trying to get to the top. And, uh, you know, we when we played the game, it was – there was some real lessons to be learned from it. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think we have – and, and for me, the, the important thing now is that when you go into this next game, your performance has to be better in those areas that you were, uh, you know, maybe not so good at. And, and, and that's going to be the focus. Peter, it, it appeared from my perspective that you guys ran out of gas late. How much of that was <clears throat> was the playing a man down and how much of it was just not being sporting fit? The man down. It was the man down. Um you know, first off, I've said this before. When you when you come into this kind of uh, climate, you build up to it over the course of when the season starts, and you probably play somewhere between ten and fifteen games. And now, what you've established is you established, you know, a fitness level for soccer and ninety minutes fit. Well, n- none of us none of us have that, and so going down a man, huge impact on the team, huge impact. And uh, I, I actually, I always remind the guys before games, I always tell them, you know, look, you know, you start with 11, you got to finish with 11. You got to be really smart in those situations. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it, it took a lot out of us for sure. Um, I, I feel that if we would have been 11 v 11, um, I, I think probably the result would have been different. Um, but we also we also put ourselves in that position. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not making excuses. It's reality. But we are the ones who put ourselves in that position. We we should have scored a, a, a second or third goal um, early, and uh, you know, probably in the first half. And it would have been it would have made the rest of the game that much different. Tim wouldn't have maybe made the decision that he did. But it's a good learning lesson for us. You know, it's early on in our season. It's the third game of our season. So, um, for us to have that type of opportunity to learn something from it it uh, helps us as we move forward and how much confidence do you guys have in sanchez yeah i I, you know i've been with him now the whole entire preseason up through this time and i've always liked him from afar and now that i work with him you know every day he's a he's a great professional um really really sees the game and reads the game really well um it's always tough for a goalkeeper to come into a situ- situation like he did in our game, but absolutely have all the confidence in the world in him uh, entering entering the match and, and, and playing on uh, on Friday. 
Peter, I was wanting to ask you about the, the sports science aspect of this tournament. Obviously, teams are playing at different times. Your third game is going to be a, a morning kickoff from early evening. Can you just talk a little bit about how much you're having to rely on that side of things and maybe just how you've seen that change in the game over the last few years? Well, there's a principle, it's called SAID. It's an acronym, S-A-I-D. It stands for Specific Adaptations to Impose Demands. And basically, the, the definition or the example of that would be is that if you're going to play, um, you know, in really, really hot weather, humid weather, you need to train in really hot, humid, humid weather. Fortunately, before we left, I mean, Kansas City wasn't, I mean, it, there were some days where it was really hot and, you know, it was humid. But then there were a lot of other days where it was overcast for, you know, a week, 10 days, and it was cooler out. Um, and so that had a big effect, I think, for us. I, I said from the get-go, teams like Houston, if Dallas was still here, the two, Orlando and Miami, Atlanta, those teams would have um, – they have an ability that was was uh, different than I think a lot of the other teams. I even think the two LA teams, you know, because it can get really hot. Now it's not it's not the same heat. It's not humid. It's a little more dry. That would have a big effect um, uh, with different teams playing in the games. We, we obviously have to look at a lot of different things, but also to your point, we're playing two games at 8 p.m., one at 9 a.m. Where the difference is is that it's not like all of a sudden you can start training you know, at 9 a.m. and then then train at 8 p.m. because the guy's clock's going to be all over the place. So we chose to kind of stay with our normal training time. We're actually training a little bit earlier than our normal training time. And the only reason being is because it's, it, you kind of pick your poison. Um, so we usually train around 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, normally we train at 10 where the issue is, is if you train at the 10:30 time slot, a lot of times what happens is the the thunderstorms here in in Florida roll in, and so now your your training session gets interrupted. And so which which one do you want? You know, which inconvenience do you want? And so um, it's still been very hot at eight o'clock. So I think we're still getting the kind of weather that we need, um, but also our sessions aren't being interrupted, and. You know, I wouldn't say just for this tournament, but I would say for, you know, for a long time now, we've we've used, um, you know, uh, the data as as a real. Um, uh, we use it as 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 information to make good decisions in regards to our players, um, and I think every team uses it pretty well and and does a pretty good job with it. The thing that the thing that's always very difficult to um, to to measure, and you can't measure it with the physical data, is is where the guys are mentally. Um, you know, because it's it's a it's a different world down here. I mean, it's 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 surrealistic in so many ways, right? Where it's all just soccer teams in a hotel. It's we go we go basically only time we can leave is we get on a bus and we go to the training uh, field and we come back. Uh, everywhere you are, you're a mask. You know, I mean, I, just yesterday was first time in probably like seven days that we um, we kind of ate together again um, a meal because normally we'd go in and just grab our meal and go back to your room. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. This is an individual sport like tennis. 
or golf. It's a team sport. And these guys have had, they've been around the team for, you know, the majority of their life. It's kind of that camaraderie. It's that interaction that you have. And, you know, we've, we've missed that, you know, ever since the moratorium came in back in March. Um, and we started to get it back again when we were in Kansas City, went to full team training. And now we're back to this, you know, your individual. And, you know, there's times where you spend 20 hours in your room a day. That's, uh, that's not easy, I got to tell you. So I know I, I actually said a lot of other things in there, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not an easy one. Peter, with the uh, uh, results today, about more than 1,200 uh, tests coming back uh, negative, uh, no positive tests. Uh, when you hear that news, I mean, what does it do for you? What does it do for your team? Does it kind of let you allow to concentrate more on soccer when you hear that? It, it does. It, it for sure does. Um, you know, I, I would say the last so many days we've had a little bit of, um, I think everybody probably has had a little bit of trepidation every time you're waiting for the results to come back because you're just not sure if somebody else may have caught it or, you know, uh, might have gotten infected somehow. So, yeah, I think we're kind of past that point. I think we're pretty close. Um, and, you know, I have to say that, you know, our staff and everybody's done a really good job in making sure that even when we got the one person infected that, you know, we had really good tracing and we're able to, you know, isolate a little bit with uh, some other people just in the short term. And uh, it's, it's it's all seemed to work really well. And so, yeah, it, it does. It gives us a lot of confidence. And I think the other thing, too, is, is that at this point, I think we're getting to that place where all the teams that are here now are here and and they're they truly are in in a bubble um so to say uh you know i'm sure there's a couple different ways that you still could get it here but um you know i think those have been minimized as much as possible peter a couple of days after the first game uh, recovery wise how are the players doing is it how you normally expect to see them or because of the long break is it taking a little bit longer for these guys to recover it's actually not. It's not that bad. The guys have the guys have done okay. Um, you know, again, you, this whole thing about training and everything. You also have to be really careful because you have to cut your sessions down a little bit because you, you got to be really uh, intelligent around not um, overtraining. Um, and I say overtraining, not not from a a time pers- uh, point of view but um just from a load because you got to add in the humidity and the heat and so but the guys have done a pretty good job of recovering and kind of getting themselves back into things and um you know it, it it's definitely a challenge but the guys have done a good job and 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 i think that you know they're they, they got a good base of fitness we just we just need to get to 90 minutes fitness uh you know for soccer and then colorado what next just what do you see from their loss against Real Salt Lake? And I guess what you're expecting from them Friday? I expect them to be very aggressive against us. Um, I expect them to uh, high press and, and, and put it, try to put us under a lot of pressure. Um, I also expect them to try to counter really quickly uh, when they win the ball. Um, and I also think they have a threat in the air with Kai. Um, Kai's very, very good in that if you play a ball into the in the air to him, in the buildup, he actually does a really good job of, you know, knocking the ball down for someone on his team. He's got good directional heading. 
Um, so that's another piece that we'll have to try to be really good on second balls in the game, um, you know, especially around him. And uh, just my last question. Uh, I know it's a couple of days old now, but uh, you guys sent Baraf back off to Europe. Um, what was the reason behind that transfer? Was it he just he wants to go back home or what was it? Um, it, it really was a, a combination of things. But probably the biggest thing was is that, um, look, he wants to play. Uh, and he had an opportunity to go back to his old club. And, uh, you know, I've always been very um, accommodating in that uh, idea. You know, if, if, if players think that they have something better somewhere else, um, uh, I am always willing to listen. Um, the opportunity has to fit both sides. Um, when it happens and if it does happen and in this situation I think the other thing too was is that I think you know he was here by himself his um, significant other was supposed to join him this year she couldn't because of what had transpired and she still couldn't come here and so I think that it was also a, a family type thing as well and so I understood and um, you know he's, he was a good guy here worked hard and you know, at the end, it, it, he had to make another choice, but uh, I understand it's it, it was not a problem, and I feel that we're covered in the area of the field anyway. Coach, you bring up Kai Kamara, former player of Sporting Kansas City, Diego Rubio, another one on the Colorado roster, uh, who also had uh, spent some time with the club. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages to playing former players? Uh, on one hand, they understand your defense, maybe from an offensive standpoint, but on the other hand, uh, your defenders and your team understand their, their game as well. So some advantages and disadvantages. Well, the disadvantage is if they're like me, when I got traded, I was I always wanted to kill my uh, old team. So that's a disadvantage for sure. You know, look, they, they, they obviously know a lot about um, – our club and they know a lot about what we do and how we do things. But um, at the same time, I think that, you know, most teams nowadays focus on themselves and try to, you know, pick up a couple of little uh, important aspects of a, of a team and then focus on that. And then everything else kind of gets, you know, blurred and, and, and more focused on yourself. And, and, and then the other piece too is, is that it's my experience that, you know, I wish those guys remembered everything. Um, they don't, uh, you know, once they move on, they kind of forget a lot of things that you, you, you did. Um, they only remember it after they retire and then they sit back and they think, you know, I actually was pretty good. or I really didn't like it there or whatever, but they, they change their mind later. Um, they're in, they're in the heat of it now. It's current. So, uh, but it, you know, for me, there's a lot of players. I mean, I just, I just was walking in here. I just spoke with Teal Bunbury and, and, uh, Sessinovic and, you know, it's, uh, it's always interesting to see those guys. So there's a lot of guys on a lot of teams that have been, you know, through this club. Peter, I've always known you to be very, very positive. Um, when you look at, you, you talk about how this world is surreal and being in this bubble, but this is the way it had to be in order for soccer to return. If you look at the whole thing, it, is it worth it for what everybody's had to deal with and go through? Do you think that what you guys are doing there right now is worth it to get the season started, even if you have to do it this way? Yeah, I, I do. Um, and, and I'm not towing the line here by any means. I really do. Um, 
we would be bored out of our mind being back in, in Kansas City just training every day with no goal objective in sight to play a game. Um, this really helps jumpstart uh, what we're doing. I also think that this has allowed us to figure out a lot of things, probably when we all go back to our markets. And I don't mean just, not just talking about Kansas City, but I'm talking about all the teams in the league about how we probably want to continue to advance the testing um, going forward. You know, what are the protocols for if someone does get infected? Um, you know, we didn't really experience a lot of that. And, you know, the league wasn't experienced any of that because they don't run a team. Now they're you got 26 teams all in one spot. And there's a lot of consistency. There's a lot of um, uh, examples of, of, you know, how to do things. And so I think we've learned a lot. I think it's going to help us when we go back into our markets. And I also think that um, I, I, I think we have to, you know, try to start getting back to our lives as much as possible. And I know, you know, you, you want to do that in the most uh, safe, safest way possible. But, man, um, it is. It, I, I, I do say I use the word surreal. It is surreal at times. But my, my best part of my day is when I'm out on the field with the team uh, for training or go into a game. And so that's, that's, that's what we want to try to keep doing. And I think, um, all the guys realize that too, because we wouldn't be playing if, uh, right now a game, if we weren't, if we weren't, uh, or if we weren't here. That'll do it for today and this week on Sports BKC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Savannah Smith, and Chris Bickett. Tip of the cap to Sean Goodwin for talking sporting Kansas City. Links to stories about Sporting KC can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands and still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes the Sports Extra with the E-Edition. There are about 30 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage. The details at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back Monday with a new episode.